We're delighted you could join us this morning. Welcome. If uh, you're watching on Facebook or someplace on one of the mediums, uh, social media, please uh, let others know, and we're delighted to spread the word and have you join us to have happen. Of course, we're all working through this pandemic. All churches are, and so we're the same as we're working through that. I Every once in a while, I get asked, when are we going to oh, reopen the church? When are we going to open the church back up again? Which is a good question. It's a good question. So we've been trying to work and plan as best as we can through what the state requires, what the health department requires to deal as we work with this pandemic. We are looking at, right now, tentatively looking at Saturday, July the 4th at 11 a.m. We're looking towards that date and we're hoping it will work out towards that date, but if things could change. So please stay in touch. Watch on our website if you are planning on coming and being part of that, you certainly are welcome to. We're delighted to have you come and be part of our worship service. But you may be asking, well, what can you expect when you come to a worship service that's now dealing with a pandemic? And how might that work? How might that uh, pan out for me and my family? Or maybe you're a single and you're by yourself. Well, we've tried to plan for those and try to prepare for that as well. But here are some things that you should know right away. One of them is that we are going to ask everybody to wear a mask. Now, if you don't have a mask or didn't bring one, we will provide you with one. We think it's important to do that. They say that's just good, good common sense to have a mask when you come and are with a group. So we're going to do that. We're going to practice that. So when you come in the door, we want to make sure you have a mask and that you can put one on. Also, we will be practicing the uh, idea of social distancing. So if you come in, your family can be together, but we've spaced the chairs and things out so that couples can sit together, so that families can sit together. So if you're a single, you can sit, and then you'll be socially distanced. So that's the idea that we're working on to keep people, and we're gonna dismiss in a different way so that people can go outside and keep their social distancing as they chat with each other. So we're going to be doing that here. We hope that that's helpful. Also, we're going to take your temperature when you come. So there'll be a method you'll see when you arrive that we will take your temperature, even while you're in the car, uh, to make sure you're not sick and you're carrying a temperature. And if you're warm, particularly at that time because of the weather, we'll have another way of checking with you because we don't want anybody carrying unknown, be carrying a, uh, the infection into the uh, place, the virus into our house. So you will understand, you will come, and if they say, oh, you're too warm, well then, you know, so sorry. But if you're feeling sick, stay home. But if you're not, you're feeling good, you're great, Come on, we would love to have you. And the last thing that we need to remember is come a little earlier, because some of those things will take a little time. We will not be having our, name, our normal Sabbath school things before, so please come a little before. I would say maybe 20, maybe 25 minutes ahead of 11, maybe come at uh, 10.30, 10.35, to give you time to get in, and get us time to get the temperatures, so you can see how things are different when you come in the door. So. Please look for that as you come on July the 4th. That's our tentative date for us opening up if everything goes as we hope and as we're planning. So July the 4th, Sabbath, July the 4th at 11 a.m. Today I'd like for us to talk about what love is. What love is. And uh, if you will find in your Bible, 1 John chapter 3, now 
That's different than the Gospel of John. 1 John is near the very end of the New Testament, very end of the Bible before Revelation. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They are written by the Apostle John, the most beloved disciple, as he would say, uh, the young man. And he was writing later on in life, and he wrote these words, and I'd like for you to look at that. So if you have, find your Bible, you'll have time to go and find 1st John chapter 3, near the end of your Bible. Well, perhaps you've been look, listening to the television and you've heard the question being asked in the advertisement, what is love? Have you seen those children asking that? What is love? Well, they give different answers. I remember the one lady said, well, love is when someone likes someone and they have that feeling of love. Well, the advertisement is for you to give to Shriners Hospital for children, and maybe you do, maybe you have that in your and your giving plan. Um, but it is a touching story that they're saying love is when you respond and help others to have that go forward and happen. When I was in college during the summer, I worked for an ambulance company. And I was an attendant who rode in the ambulance. This is long before EMTs. But we worked in the ambulance company and I worked every summer doing that and my partner and I were together five days a week, 24 hours a day. We had two days off, but the rest of the time we bunked together, ate together, lived together, and we became very good friends. Well, as we would go from place to place, and as we go from restaurant to restaurant because we ate our meals out, or we'd meet people at different places, he would run across a young lady or something, and he would look at her and say, oh, you know, and he would, as he'd walk out, he would just say, oh, I'm in love. And I go, again, another again. So I knew that he found that that young lady was an attractive young lady. He really wasn't in love, but he was just saying, oh, she rose the passion of her heart. I remember my mother, when she would comment about my feelings for a young lady, she said, oh, you're just infatuated. I remember this saying this in high school when I had a crush on a young lady. Oh, you're just infatuated. Or, or boy, you were really smitten, Bill. You were really smitten about this young lady. Or she would say, you know, love really takes time. So just having a crush or something like that on this young lady. It's interesting that this young lady uh, didn't have the same feelings for me. But uh, it was an experience and... I thought, oh, I must be in love. Well, you know, wisdom comes afterwards. Do you remember we wrote, sing a lot of love songs, don't we? A lot of love songs are written. Uh, in fact, if you would think if we could look at all the songs written, probably a huge percentage of them were love songs that we write to one another. I remember singing some love songs and have sung the love songs to young ladies then. Of course, it did no good. But anyway, it was it's a sharing of love song and the love, the experience, and we like that. Have you found 1 John 3 yet? Okay, so, so find 1 John 3. We're going to look down at verse uh, 11, which takes us in a different way. Instead of what is love, this is going to tell us what love is, right? So we're going to go in a different direction. Here, number uh, verse 11, looking at verse, for this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We should love one another. And specifically, what John is writing about, now this is just about a few decades after Christ ascended. What he's specifically writing about, what the specific passage is about, is loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
loving our fellow believers. It's really what it's talking about. And he said, this is a message you've heard from being with Christ that we should love one another, to love one another. Well, I pastored a church one time when I was first getting out into the ministry and it was in a little town which will remain nameless and this particular little church was down at the end of a street and all the community knew that church was known for its fighting they fought back and forth they fought with one another in fact as we would go around and meet people and say can't you do something pastor to get that church to quit fighting with one another wouldn't that be terrible to have that reputation as a church that they were fighting well evidently john John knew such things were happening within the church, so he was calling upon them to love one another, to love people within the household of faith, which I think is rather astounding that he would say something like that. It's just natural that from time to time, minor disagreements, as we would say, a minor disagreement will come, will come up. I remember one time I was at another little church and and one of the deacons was very upset with another deacon in the church, very upset, angry with him. Well, I happened to be over at this uh, deacon's house, and he said, I want you to go tell that other guy. I want you to go tell, I won't tell his name. Go tell him, if he steps foot on my property, I'll kill him. And I go, oh, unbelievable, unbelievable that he would say, see, I was stunned. I didn't know what to do, but I, I went and told him. I said, you've got to be careful. They're really angry with him. And I said, isn't there some way we can reconcile this? Well, they never did. Never got it reconciled. But this discussion in this particular chapter speaks directly to our brothers and sisters in the household of faith. So right off in the beginning, it said, we are to love one another. One another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter who they are, what they've done, where they've come from. And particularly during this time that we're going through as a nation, reaching across and loving others in Christ is what Christ has called us to do. It goes on, verse 12. Do not be like Cain. Remember Cain? Cain was the son of Adam and Eve. He said, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one, or to Satan, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother, John asked? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Are you remember the story? You can find it in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, if you look there. You can see, uh, 16, excuse me. As you can look through that story, you can see how that whole thing went about, and why he killed his brother Abel because he chose evil. It's a stunning thing that he would kill his brother. You see, hatred is always potentially present when love is absent. Did you get that? Hatred is always potentially present when love is absent. Certainly Cain did not love his brother, whether it was jealousy, evil in his heart and he rose up and he killed his brother Abel which brings us to an interesting thing every man and every woman belongs either to the brotherhood of Cain 
or they belong to the brotherhood of Christ. There are no, no way to be anywhere in between. Either you're loving to others on Christ's side or you're on Cain's side. Isn't that interesting? It's placed throughout the whole Bible and we see it in our real world, don't we? I wish all of us to bring Kong to the brotherhood of Christ, don't you? That we can be brothers and sisters in Christ and love as Christ loved. Verse 3, 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Why would the world hate you? The world hates people who are loving. That's unfortunate, isn't it? People who are really loving. The world and their evilness hates them. Verse 14, we know, we know that we have passed from death to life through Christ Jesus, through his sacrifice. He invites us our lives to be different. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Jesus said, that's right, if you hate somebody, well, you know, I haven't murdered anybody, but if you hate somebody, Jesus said, you have murdered them already. Even though you haven't gone through the act, it's in your head. John picks that up and reshares that same idea, but then adds to us that eternal life does not reside in someone who hates his brother or sister. Verse 16, here we go. This is how we know what love is. Okay, so we started off what love is, and then we did a little bit, you know, what is love, and we all kind of feel and have that in our relationship and romance, and we hope it is there, but this is what the Bible says what love really is, truly is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I think that's really sobering, isn't it? Laying down your life for your brother and sister. We're not often called upon that in this country to do so. But it's a willingness to sacrifice ourselves for the other. Giving up of ourselves for the other. Just as Jesus showed us that he went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross to be some kind of a, send a strong message or, or to uh, stand up for something. What he really went to the cross for was to save us. See that? He went to the cross to save us. He laid down his life so that we could have life. And John went on in uh, 1 John 5, 13, that we would know we have eternal life when we believe in Jesus Christ. We can know that, passing from death to life, you see. So laying down our lives, laying down our lives for someone else is actually quite an incredible call, isn't it? I've been thinking about that this week as I've been watching what's been happening on the news and watching what's going on. Maybe you have too been 
glued to your television or maybe you're tired of it, but a willingness to lay down our lives for someone else. That's a high calling, isn't it? Makes us think soberly. Yet that's what Christ called for us to do. Well, you may never have that opportunity to, and hopefully not, to lay down your life, put your life to save someone else. Some have. But John goes on and he says, if anyone, verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? How can the love of God be in that person? I remember several times as I've been driving around here in Naples, there have been people holding up signs, and I'm sure there are seriously people that are out of work who need help. They need uh, assistance, and they're begging for money, really. I don't know their background. Don't know what's happening. If I do, I try to help them. I remember being up in Boston where this was a common occurrence when I go and I, I rode the uh, subway, which was called the T, from back and forth to church. And often as I walked the little distance from the, from the subway stop, the T stop, to the church, I'd run across a fellow who kept asking me for money, kept asking for money. And so one day I gave him some money. And of course, then ever after he's I'd come by, he would ask money, and I'd have to remember to take some change to put in his cup because he'd make an announcement to the whole group. Hey, here comes my buddy. He always gives me something. Well, I always felt pressured at that. But I had possessions, and he was portraying himself in need, and I think it was a good thing for me to give, for me to give. Whether he was cheating me or not, not my need. But I think Jesus would have helped him. And so I felt I should help him. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth with actions and in truth. Let us love with actions and in truth. Instead of just saying, oh, I love you, I care about you, but the, the act of actually doing something. Sometimes that might mean that we are protecting someone's reputation. Not spreading rumors. Not spreading gossip. But protecting a person by lifting them up finding the positive. So it may be that we can express our love in other ways than just sharing our possessions, but that our actions are loving to others. I think that's a constant thing that has to happen. I think that's a constant thing within our lives that needs to take place. Something that we always need to examine because we're always being called to do something to help someone else, but, but then we go back and we pull back and we get callous, don't we? Certainly easy to do. I've lived in places where my church was constantly, constantly being asked to help people. And they would come with stories. They would come with stories and they would try to give me a sad story. After a while, I said, I, I don't really need to hear your story, why you're in need or what's going on. You know, I, it's not that I'm not caring about what happened to you, but what do you need? 
well, I, I need help with rent or I need some food. Well, let me help you get your food. Let me help you with your rent. Let's see what we can do there. You don't, you don't need to pray because often they were making up things. So I didn't want them to do that. But I wanted to treat them as I thought Christ would treat them. But it was easy because it was so frequent to become callous. Perhaps you're in a place like that. But John calls for us to show our love to others in our actions and in truth. That we love one another. I've shared this with my congregation before. It is uh, something that I always, always remember. And it is the, uh, looking at the Statue of Liberty, there is at the base, there is a, a plaque and it has a motto on it. And the words of it are powerful. I'd like to share those with you. Just to remind you, I'm sure you've heard some of it. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here on our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beckoning hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the Sea Bridge Harbor that within the Twin Cities frame. Keep, ancient lands, your storied pomp, she cries with silent lips, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift up my lamp beside the golden door. We all recognize that as Americans, the Statue of Liberty. And those powerful words that are there given to us to, to beckon those, those people who are the, re, the wretched refuse of their teeming shore. Give us those people. Give us those poor. Give us those homeless. Giving those tempest-tossed, yearning to be free. Send them to our door, and we will welcome them. With that plaque, fit outside the door of our church? I would hope so. Would that plaque fit outside the door of your house? Would that plaque fit the outside door of your heart that you be loving and welcoming to all? Pray with me. Dear Lord, that is a powerful message from John. And evidently, there must have been some non-loving people within the church. I guess there always are. But Lord, today we want to respond and to follow you and to feel that call within us that we can be more loving and caring for those around us. May we be able to wear that plaque that's on the statue of outside the door of our house, outside the door of our hearts that we may be welcoming to those that are in need. Forgive us when we haven't been, when we have shut the door, when we've been harsh, when we've been judgmental. 
and that we can be open and welcoming of people to come. Where they come to us, they come to our door, they come to our church, they come into our lives. And may they see the love of Christ for them, shining to them. Help us in that regard, because it's not a natural thing, it's a thing we have to choose to do. So empower us to do that through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.